Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Jardcast. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one this week. We have Adam, Jack and Russ with us this week. Uh, firstly, we're going to plug our socials, so definitely go and follow us on Instagram, at Jardcast. Uh, on Facebook, at Jardcast. Uh, Spotify, check us out on Spotify as well if you're on the move and you can't watch a video. Uh, but obviously for the comedic element watch us on YouTube because we always do something stupid um, so yeah this week's episode is going to be on cryptozoology which uh, I I wouldn't say I'm an expert on it I know bits uh, I did a research project on it while I was doing my animal management at uh, college Russ you're very much into Bigfoot is it? <laughs> I, I just think Bigfoot's real. Should we explain what cryptozoology is first? Yeah, go for it. Do you want to take that? No, I'll let you take it. you got the hat. Right, okay. So, um, I can't remember what it actually stands for. I do have it here, though. Oh. <laughs> Good start, eh? Um... Do you want me to say it? Yeah, go for it. So cryptozoology is the study of animals that we are not sure they are fully exist or do not exist. And it often is a biological science, it's a biological research into such things like the Tasmanian devil and a few other things that we'll get used into quite recently, quite soon, because Tasmanian devils are the most common one right now. But yes, it's just basically studying animals that we're not sure are dead or alive. Right, okay, sweet. So... Firstly, we're going to start with some things that were considered cryptids, but have actually now been proven to be real. Um, did you have one of those, Russ? Uh, did you want to do your horse first? Right, okay. So, uh, I'll actually pop up a video. Uh, a video, sorry. I'll pop up a picture on the actual video. Uh right now um it's an acarpi right uh i think the scientific name is acarpia johnstoni um it was basically unknown to science up until the year 1901 um where a explorer called sir harry johnston uh, discovered it in the congo uh, basically it was thought to be originally a horse or belonging to the equine family. Um, it turns out it's actually a giraffe. It's one of the only, I think it is the only subspecies of giraffe. Uh, there's many species of giraffe, but it's a subspecies, so it's different characteristics and all that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because the first known um, interaction with one was actually, I think, how these things worked back in the day was hunting. I think they'd hunt it and then send the uh, sample off to the British Museum. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a jungle giraffe. Um, he uh, sent some skins back. Uh, but apparently the first ever recorded report was by another explorer called Sir Henry Morton Stanley in 1890. But then obviously... There was the scientific community were just like it's just unre it's 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 
completely completely unrealistic to be able to find this kind of animal like it doesn't like the it, it, it can't exist it can't possibly exist so it was basically just disbarred um so yeah have you got anything to ask any questions what's this conservation status today it's actually a critically endangered <laughs> there's not many is that through like hunting or, or anything or is it just naturally quite a rare animal i think it's just quite a rare animal and they're they're very elusive um and i think because a lot of the congo is just extremely dense jungle that mm. you it'd probably be hard i would assume it would be hard to track them to be honest So yeah, any other questions? I can follow on with another one in the Congo. Yeah, go for it. So it's my one of my greatest ones I've got. So I've got two from the Congo. One is the Molke Membe, which is apparently a dinosaur. Sounds pretty lit. So it's a lot of African tribes in like the Congo, uh, all the way back to about two hundred years, have uh, spotted this large reptilian thing that has like a very long neck similar to a Brachiosaurus, if you know what that is. Mm. And uh, this goes out throughout history for about 200 years, and people have always wondered what it is because there's been reports of it. People have shown um, tribes like pictures of these dinosaurs, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's it's him. It's That's what we see. So it's one of those things of, like, obviously it's a bit sceptical. It's who knows if it's real, but it's classed as part of the whole cryptid because people are determined to go and have a look into it. And um, as you say there, one of the issues you've got with stuff like this is the Congo, is how like thick it is, because it's just and full of diseases, as really anything could be in there. Hell, there's pygmy people that live in the Congo. You know, there's so much weird things in the Congo that will we ever know. So that's one of the ones I also really like. And then another one, if you don't mind me carrying on with yeah, another one I've got. Is from a Dutch pilot, Remy Verleder, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he was a Dutch World War II pilot who, after that, was flying missions in the Congo crisis of like the 60s. And he apparently was flying back. He's a decorated veteran, like he's sound of mind and all this. And apparently, he says, I think it was in the, I think it was like 54, 60s, I think it was, I can't remember the exact date of when he was in the this photo was taken but we'll have a link of it in the description he apparently flew over a bit of a clearing and saw a giant snake and he said it must have been about 30 oh sorry no i've said that wrong it must have been about 50 feet long he claimed it's a very grainy picture out there so one of those that people are quickly easy to say it's a fake but remember this man's in a helicopter in the 60s so and i've just checked it was 59 he encountered the snake so what he said was this was about 50 feet long and his helicopter went over and he went round three or four times to try and see if he could get a better picture of it. And apparently as he come over for the third time, the snake lifted its head up far enough that he could actually see towards him. And that's when he flew off because he was like, actually, with the size of it, he could swallow a manhole. <laughs> and before we go into like 50 foot snakes, people going, it's a bit too much. Snakes can get up to about 30 feet, maybe even 35, because I think I might be wrong here, Dan, but you can correct me if I am. A lot of reptiles. Pardon? Yeah, carry on. I'm just going to size it. A lot of 
reptilian animals and like fish and like stuff like that don't really have a length of which they can get to before they have to stop. It entirely depends on food food sources, does it not? Because uh, like an animal will eat, get as big as it can as long as that food's there. So if it lives, say like I don't know, a crocodile near where it's loads of fish or like whatever they'll eat, they'll just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until there's no food. It's just it's mainly it's food that, source or until they die. Of it is, isn't it? Yeah. Because I know there's reports of there being, I think it was about 10 years ago, of a giant snake about 35 to 40 feet was found in a Congolese dam. And the workers apparently just saw it and just, well, panicked because obviously they've just seen this giant anaconda that had been there. Because while snakes aren't really a cryptid, it's one of those of when they get to that size, it's that weird thing of actually they kind of become something else. According to, just NBC snake, like, you know. news, according to NBC News, Jakarta in Indonesia, uh, an Indonesian villagers claim to have captured a python, a reticulated python, which is the longest species of snake, uh, that is almost 49 feet long and weighs nearly 990 pounds. Bloody <laughs> hell. That's a big snake. And I think up until then, I don't know. It's a claim, though, so I don't know whether it's true or not. Um, but that's one of those things, I think, with cryptids. It's that weird area of there's a lot of stuff supporting them, but also at the same time, because it's not fully backed up by a lot of science, it's that, is it real or is it is it fake? What's that? The whole thing with, like, cryptids there. It's not that it's a massive myth, but it's usually that there's enough evidence out there that people have gone, right, we need to have a look at this. Because if it's real, we need to protect it. And if it's fake, we need to probably try and put it to bed, try and stop it being out there. Mm. Well, surely, um, with some of these, is it cryptids they're called? Cryptids, yeah. Cryptids, yeah. Yeah, cryptids. Uh, specific ones, you'd have multiple encounters, wouldn't you? Yeah, like the myth. Multiple yeah. like urban legends, let's say, of these specific creatures actually interacting with people. It's just like Bigfoot and the Chupacabra and stuff like. There's plenty of video footage and stuff. The um, thing with though, I'm sorry to interrupt, Dan. Okay. I do want to make a quick point to one Adams. While I agree, While there's I... going to be a lot of people seeing them. You've also got to think for some stuff like the Congo going to be fucking hard to see most things well like, that's, that's what I get out of the Akapi oh, yeah. because the jungle like, is just so dense there that like it's going to be hard to track anything or see anything like gorillas in the 1850s were encrypted until hunters and like explorers went deep into those jungles and found them but up until that point it was this whole ah oh, there's these big creatures that are as tall as bigger than a human and stronger than a human but look like us in fur and people believed it and was like shit there's something out there that we don't know about and obviously as time went on as people started exploring more they found out these were actually gorillas gorillas and i think it was in 1851 they brought a gorilla school back and that's when scientists went this isn't a monster this is just like a next step in, well not next step in evolution sorry like a part of us kind of thing mm. The thing I find really interesting is the reaction. Like, how would a person or a European explorer react to seeing something like a giraffe for the first time ever? 
Like, like uh, again, with the actual African plains giraffe, the Natural History Museum completely said, no, impossible. Impossible. There's no such animal. An animal cannot have a neck that long. Like, it is impossible. And then, like, they hunt one, skin it, and send the god skin back to Natural History Museum and prove them wrong. And it's like... I just loved. If I could have a time machine, that's what I'd do. I'd go back to then and see like reactions of what people discovering animals would be like. That'd be really interesting. It is really when you think about it, like when people did like exploring in Africa, because like they were part. I don't know if it was North West Africa or if it was South Africa, where they basically had places that were called White Man's Death, where explorers would just go and just die from diseases. And it was because obviously people wanted to explore the new world, well, not the, the new world, Africa, and explore all these creatures out there. Because cryptids have kind of been going on for centuries, ever since people yeah. started exploring. You had this whole creatures out there, you had these weird folk tales that no one knows where they go, but over time it's, they split off by being folk tales just, or actual creatures. You say that, just a quick reference to the Loch Ness Monster. The first mention of the Loch Ness Monster was in the bi- biography of St. Columba and that was uh, in 565 AD that's how far the Loch Ness Monster goes back so they've been going what? on for like hundreds and th- well hundreds of years I always remember one thing I was reading that uh, when I was at university I did a thing on um, it was, I can't remember what it was called but it's called like There Be Monsters and it was basically talking about what dragons and monsters you saw on medieval maps and stuff like that was. And that's kind of like down that thing. Because back then, obviously, you'd see medieval pictures and maps of all those monsters. And people yeah, were yeah. like, you don't go there. That's a monster. But actually, it was most likely whales and stuff like that. But people don't know what they are. So it's that whole trying to rationalize something that, you know, you don't know what it is. Like krakens, like giant squid. They've always been this massive mythological thing throughout history. But we've started to really recently kind of get to realise how big they are. Mm. Just by it being a cryptid doesn't mean it's a... So I think that's one thing people kind of get sceptic of with cryptids is as soon as they get told, ah, cryptids, they think, ah, Bigfoot, Chupacabra, I don't know, another shit like that. They they need to realise actually it's got some truth there. Mm. Because Bigfoot's real. (laughs) And I'll fight anyone that says he's not. His name's Harry. That's what it Harry. is. His name's oh, Harry. I get that reference. Is that the film? <laughs> yeah. Harry, is that Harry the Henderson? Yeah. Yeah. One of the best films. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really yeah, interesting like... thing, though. Like, how these things have uh, an impact on pop culture. Because there's been so many films that have sprung up from these stories that have been hovering around for centuries. It's just uh, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's also comes to this point that people now just want to find and know everything. Yeah. They've been that to take it away from cryptoids for two seconds because we live in that social media internet age where it's I want to know what this is. Get my phone, Google it. You know, we was doing it before the podcast started, like looking at stuff. <laughs> like that's what it is now. So people don't want to believe in fucking sea monsters or like yeah. Bigfoot or stuff like that because it's like. Oh, if you've not got a, a picture of it in this day and age, it's not real. 
Which yeah. is why you get 90% of these fake things where it's just like a picture of an alien, but it's this fucking light reflecting in a window. I'll bring, you, I'll bring the subject back to cryptids that were once believed to be mythical but are now actually real animals. The Komodo dragon, for example. Uh, the animal was once believed to be a myth. Its discovery was documented first in Europe in 1910. Rumours of a creature known as a land crocodile were received by Lieutenant Van Stein van Hensbroek of the Dutch Colonial Administration. Uh, Peter Uwins, uh, who was the director of the Zoological Museum of Bogor in Java, had published a paper on the then-called land crocodile after he had received a photo and a skin sample from the lieutenant and two other specimens from collectors. That was how the Komodo dragon was discovered. Um... Have I got anything else on cryptids? Giant squids. Giant My squids. Boy. One of the uh, things that makes me fear to go into the ocean. <laughs> well, it's that thing of like we know more about the galaxy than we do the ocean, isn't it? Like we well, only know about exactly fourteen percent. It's over four or fourteen percent of the Earth's oceans. Mm. We, know more, the, we know more about more about the moon than the oceans. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that that is like it just puts into perspective how big this planet actually is, <laughs> and I mean the largest mountain range on this planet isn't Mount Everest. It's a mountain range that's underwater, and I can't recall what that mountain range is. So that just puts again puts into perspective how much we haven't really explored of the oceans. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite weird when you think about it. So I was uh, reading a, an article about a couple of months ago about like a giant squid that was found in Japan, and all they got was a tentacle, and the tentacle was about 19 feet long. <laughs> That's oh. just from one tentacle. And you got to think, usually, I think, well, tentacles are longer than the body, but for it to get that big, it's massive. There must be... The thing is, if for something to get that big, what are they eating? Um, squids usually don't will eat fish and stuff like that. I know, but like we've we've seen as well from like certain um, nature documentaries, let's say, uh, where sperm whales hunt giant squid at like yeah. the depths of the ocean, and like they've taken close up like photos of like the sides of sperm whales, and you can see the sucker marks on the sides of the yeah. whales. And they're big. <laughs> so, well, with that though, they've kind of said that it's always a one-sided fight. A sperm whale is usually going to win. Yeah, it, yeah, but it's a. But I think like you don't have to eat other things, but, uh, like other creatures, to be big. Like a blue whale, biggest mammal in the world, eats krill. Uh, blue. Yeah, it's a pretty blue, chill. Interesting fact about a blue whale, actually, they can't oh, swallow yeah. anything larger uh, than a watermelon. Ah, I thought it was going to be a weird one about their penis. No, it's, it's, <laughs> I it's that's what I was expecting. That's what I was like, oh no, it's going to be something. Well, that just shows how dirty your mind is, Russ. <laughs> no. Should we uh, get onto some stuff that isn't real? Well, or no, like... because Bigfoot's real, <laughs> bitch. Okay, so should we get onto some? We stuff both watched that, is... that video earlier. Bigfoot was real. Oh God, no. Not again. I don't think well I don't think Adam was here for that one. No. We'll make him watch it later. Yeah, we'll make so, him watch it later. 
Yeah. It's not going to be some weird big days. foot porn, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't speaking of giant tapes. <laughs> yeah, go for it. We'll pick on uh, one of my favourite stories I've been reading recently. It's about the rock apes of Vietnam. Okay. And it was an encounter. Oh, one second. Let me make some noises. I'm going to quickly get my research back up. <laughs> the rock, you know, if you... they call the RAF uh, infantry rock apes. What is that? Don't know. I think it's because oh. they're meant to look, they're not smart enough to be pilots, so they join infantry or something like that. <laughs> I didn't realise the RAF had infantry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RAF regiment. Oh. But um, it says, I've got my research up. So this is talking about the rock apes of Vietnam, which first were spotted was in 1918 by French explorers in the Vietnam. So obviously they owned it, so it was kind of, where, well, I say owned it, people might get upset about that. <laughs> French beat them and took over it because their ancestors were weak. They colonised them. Um, yeah, ancestors were shit at fighting. Get good, squib. So it's, yeah, after that, after the French took what was theirs, they uh, went around, saw what it was, and then they apparently they started seeing these jungle apes but not like a gibbon, because a lot of people think these jungle apes are like gibbons, orangutans, and other stuff like that. But then when you read a lot of these descriptions where it talks about giant six to seven feet creatures that are just muscle for the hair, and it's like even the villagers know about them. And it's one of those things where I know there's a, in the Vietnam War, there's a place called Monkey Hill, because a lot of the American GIs did see these creatures going around. And what's interesting about them, there was a battle, I can't remember, and I'm trying to find out where it was. But basically, it was an encounter that some American GIs on the back of the patrol saw these creatures and started shooting at them because they were panicking. They was like, shit, like, is that the Viet Cong? Started shooting at them. And then the Viet Cong, who was going to ambush him, ambushed him. But at the same time, the Viet Cong saw him. And apparently, what's interesting is, this comes from actually... Both sides have kind of talked about this. Um, they both kind of stopped shooting at each other and just retreated. Mm. Once they realised, actually, they weren't... What the Americans saw, what the Viet Cong saw, when they were kind of like... It's that weird kind of like Russian-American World War II. They're like, shit, we don't want to fight each other. Get these guys. It's like that. And apparently after that, both sides retreated into the jungle. The Americans went back to base. But apparently the day after... The Americans went back to see if they could find any bodies of like the apes they've killed. And apparently all they found was this uh, big Kong lad who died. But when they said how he died, he looked like he'd literally just been ripped apart. <laughs> and obviously, you I think like the jungles of Vietnam had some creatures in there that would fuck you up. But they like as they said, like you you know what body what wounds you see from animals and this wasn't anything like that. It literally looked like a man had been ripped. Like pressure to use to kill him, but mm. a lot of these reports were spotted out for Vietnam. Quite a lot of it towards like the deep jungle by Cambodia, mm. and that's one of the ones I've always found quite interesting because after the war, when records come from Vietnam, like there's like the Viet Cong, Vietnam government did go, yeah, we had a lot of reports of these, mm. and so did the Americans, and it matched up, and it's that weird thing of these two sides hated each other, but actually had the same sightings mm. there's a that's my one could they be uh gigantopithecus is what what, what is gigantopithecus then so 
it is meant to be like a giant orangutan looking person. Think King Louis from um, the Jungle Book. Because in that song, mm-hmm. um, the I can't remember what song he sings, he actually refers to himself as Gigantopithecus. Ah. So, I never knew that. Yeah. And that's what they think Bigfoot might be as well. Because so. I know one thing I do read sometimes is they do talk about, like, kind of what we talked about in the Foo Fighters episodes. You've got a lot of people out there that come out now to say they've seen these things. Yeah. And it's almost like to discredit it. It's almost like it's trying to make it sound dumb that you don't want to come out and see it. You don't want to be that person who goes, oh, I saw Bigfoot. Because then everyone just knows that thinks you're an idiot. Yeah. So they try to hide it. People don't want to believe. Or they're just... They're, I'd use the word sceptical more than anything. Because well, the idea was, um... of a giant walking ape man in the middle of some forests in America or wherever... Sounds could sound be outlandish. That. It could be that fear, though, of like, do you want there to be anything bigger than humans? Mm. Yeah, you know, like, do you want it? It wouldn't be that much of a threat, really, would it, if it was real? Because well, people would just go and hunt it in groups. <laughs> well, if you think about it, you, you could kind of say, well, in America, America is part of the civilized world. And we have this weird human ego that because it's a civilised world, we know of all the animals and species which live there. So to have the implication that there's a breed of animal amongst us which we do not understand or unaware kind of challenges that ego which we have, which is probably why people aren't comfortable talking about it, because to acknowledge the existence of Bigfoot is to acknowledge that maybe we haven't fully explored and fully discovered the civilised world. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that's one of them. I completely agree. I think we've got that whole... Some people do have that bit of like a moment where they're like, oh, there's definitely no Bigfoot. Because if there was, Derek would have got a picture on his camera phone when he went into the woods. Hmm. So it's, if I've not seen Bigfoot, no one's seen Bigfoot. Which is a bad attitude to have. Yeah, if Bigfoot was real, I'd bloody see him at Dudley Zoo whenever I go to Dudley, weren't I? Well, if Sasquatch was real, it it would have been caught by now. That's what what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, feel that's quite a boring attitude people have on life. Yeah. It's that whole, ah, if it's real, I want it now. Yeah. It's that whole, I need to see it, I need to know it's real. But I think that's, not. I'm not going to stir it onto a topic of society, but I think that is the way society's gone. Me and Adam have spoken about this many a times, where it's just like people want things now. They want to go and look at it. So it's having this idea of like, ah, maybe there is something in the jungles we'll never know. Is a bit like, oh, that's bullshit, mate. That's not on Twitter. Mm. I've, seen, like the... oh, I've on. seen no one take a selfie on Snapchat with Bigfoot, so it has to be bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Thing is, though, like we joke, well, that's kind of what it is. That's exactly like that is exactly how it is. The thing that I think discredits these things a lot is attempts at convincing people that it's real when yes, proven later to be false. Like the Patterson Gimlin footage, 
You know, that's the one where he's walking across the all the the yeah. dike, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, where he's literally just walking along and he's swinging his arms, and he looks at the camera, <laughs> like <laughs> if it's if it's a herbivore, right? And it eats berries, not babies. Anyway, <laughs> if it is a herbivore, right? <laughs> Surely it'd be um, it'd be scared. Or it have some element of fear towards something that's different to it, like we would have to it. You know what I mean? I want to quickly interrupt there, Dan. Yeah, go for it. Oh, just uh, why would it? If it's not a natural predator, why would it? It's like the same as us. We don't have natural predators. We're kind of we're not we're timid of the wild, but we're not like oh, terrified if we see something. Like um, you go on safari, you see a lion. You watch that lion kill someone. You know that lion could fuck you up. You still watch it. It's maybe it's the same for Bigfoot. If he sees someone, and he's just like, "Right, you're over there. That's fine." If you come close, different matter. Maybe I'm going to use a fictional example for this. Right, you've seen Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, <laughs> he, he hates hates trophy hunting. Like. He, he, like he realizes that they're hunting, like you know, animals for trophies and stuff. When he sees the deer mounted on the wall, and he goes yeah. behind the wall, and he's, there's nobody there, and he's just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah. Maybe he thinks. Maybe maybe like, if it, if it were to be scared of us, maybe it knows that like. We are a source of death for any other animal in the woods because. A lot of let's okay we'll we'll. I don't know how many people in America would prefer to go hiking over hunting, but I could probably guarantee that more people go hunting than they do. I, hiking. I kind of dis I disagree. I I'm gonna be honest. I think I definitely disagree there. Right. Okay. I think it's one hundred percent more people will go because think about this: if you're going hiking, that just means going to the woods. So it's like everyone just goes for a walk in the woods, and I think. I think that would be like saying, "Ah, oh, more people go fishing in Britain than they, fishing than they do walking." Yeah, okay. I think that's the only reason I disagree. I think it's one of those of like, like, I don't get that logic. I think hunting's more openly talked about, but I do feel like it's not as big as it's like hiking. Right. Okay. Well, how about we turn this over on its head a bit? What about maybe it didn't react? only because it doesn't see us as a threat. Like, when you think about stories of Bigfoot, in order for Bigfoot to see, or Sasquatch, to see us as a threat, we would have had to have killed one. And if we would have yeah. killed one, we'd have had the body to prove its existence. So maybe it's not afraid of us, because it has no need to be afraid. And you think about stories of people who have been attacked by Sasquatch and stuff like that. Most of those stories end up with it really being bad for whoever encounters the Sasquatch anyways. So maybe it's just one of those big dick energy moments of it sees a human and it's not afraid because it knows that we're not a, we're not a threat to it. And it knows that if we're to approach it, it's us who's going to have the bad day, not it. Okay. Well. I want to go because I kind of agree with Adam. I, I think I, I agree to a point. I do think it just doesn't know what we are, so it's not scared. But I think what maybe like to put a bit of a tinfoil hat on, 
would the government kind of lie about these existence and be the ones that encourage this fake footage to be put out there? Because if you think about it, if Bigfoot is out there, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go and hunt it. So that scene in Jaws, as soon as they're like, oh, there's a shark here, you get that whole thing where they've got all those people trying to hunt the shark, and he makes a point of going, there's like six people in the boat designed for two, and there's some dick out, dickheads out there with dynamite. <laughs> like, it shows that actually it's kind of what it would be if there was like, oh, yeah, Bigfoot's real. You would get people going out there with dynamite and shit like that, going, right, going hunt Bigfoot. You would oh. probably cause a lot more damage by saying it's real than that. It happens on The Simpsons twice, doesn't it? You've got the episode where they think Mr. Burns is an alien, and the moment they have evidence to say that an alien is real and it's out there, they create a lynch mob, don't they, and go around <laughs> trying to hunt the alien. And then I thought uh, that is Mr. Burns, and I still want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got the other one where uh, Mahoma ends up getting lost in the woods and ends up getting his mouth stuck together because he's always eating the beehive and gets covered in mud, and people start mistaking him for the Sasquatch. And the moment he's mistaken for the Sasquatch... Same kind of deal there. Everyone goes out and tries to hunt him down. Mm-hmm. So, you know I think, so you know, it, even in pop culture and everything, it kind of relates back to what you just said. Mm-hmm. As if we mm-hmm. gone. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, what it reminds me of um, the mission in Red Dead Redemption and Dead Nightmare, where you kill Bigfoot, um, and like you have that whole thing where basically, who, I don't know if everyone played it here. That mission. Yeah, I referenced yeah. it about ten years. Yeah. Ago. <laughs> I eat berries, <laughs> not babies. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you got that way. It's just like they are literally. People would just kill it. Yeah. This kind of goes back onto that Cam Hunting episode we did a while back, but it's that whole like humanity would just want to kill it, and I don't mind hunting, but I think that's where this whole crypto thing comes in. Is we've got to kind of protect these species that are rare. Yeah. So it's, it's probably better sometimes to have. I would rather we never find out if Bigfoot's real because if we do, it would cause damage to Bigfoot. Mm. I, see, I see your logic. I do. Yeah. It, it would kill, could hurt Bigfoot. Or it could even hurt the countryside if you think about it. If you're going to get all fucking people going to go hunting, they're not going to be like, ah. Oh, I will make sure I only use what I need to to kill one point. I'll just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to blow up this hill. So, Napalm a bitch and see what happens. The thing that gets me is the, uh, the distribution of Bigfoot. <laughs> so, let me find it. It's on my research project. Citing locations of Bigfoot. You've got numerous states across America. Ten most active sites where sightings have been recorded are Pennsylvania, New York, Colorado, Michigan, Illinois, Florida, Ohio and Oregon, California and Washington. There's more than one. Because <laughs> none, it's a, none it's of those speeches. Well, this is the thing, but like, it's people go on about Bigfoot, saying that it's Bigfoot's not a plural term. It's It's... They go on about it being that, like it's one thing and it's on its own. So if if Bigfoot is real, then there's got to be more than one. Well, think think of it, for example, Loch Ness or Nessie the Loch Ness Monster. We call it the Loch Ness Monster, but if a Loch Ness Monster was to be real... It would be a species, and there's been an actual name to the species and everything like that, but because we only acknowledge for one 
creature of that. It's a reason why we refer it to the Loch Ness Monster. And I think that's the kind of same thing what's happened here with Bigfoot. Obviously, it's we, we refer to the species as Sasquatch, um, but other people refer it to as Bigfoot. Why? I don't know. But I think it's kind of that folklore legend, isn't it, really? Bigfoot seems to have a bigger name and reputation to it rather than just Sasquatch. This reminds me of uh, the Hobbit, you know, in Lords of the Rings, where he calls him something. He's like Big Feet. Can't remember his name. On Bilbo's birthday. <laughs> I know which one you mean. He's there, smoking the pipe, and just says, "Hunky." Proudfoot. <laughs> yeah. He calls them proud. Proud feet. feet that's that's proudfoot. Yeah. Proud feet. <laughs> that's all I can think about. <laughs> What are they called now? There's an, one which I wanted... I don't know much about it, but I'm sure you guys do. I'm going to quickly check what they're called again. Because I'm going to botch up the pronunciation as always, if not. It's not going to help because I don't know how to spell them either. But it's a... I'm going to botch up the pronunciation. You wonder you guys will need to uh, correct me, eh? Chica Carboy or something like that. Oh, El Chica Carboy. That's the one. The blood sucking dog uh, of Mexico. Goat. Yeah. Oh, no, it's goat sucker, isn't it? Goat sucker, yeah, but like it, it, it's considered a in dog looking appearance apparently. Like I, I, I don't know much. Of, I've got a bit about info on Chupa Carboy from yeah. my research project. So I, was about to say, I don't know much about them, but it sounds like it's in line with this kind of thing. So I was going to say I'll, I'll pick your guy's brain about it, just in case you guys know any more about it. So El Chupa, from what the info I've got, El Chupacabra is described as a humanoid standing at three to four feet tall with orange and yellow eyes. Uh, there are numerous descriptions of this creature, another being a creature three to four feet tall with the body and dense black plumage of an eagle. A thick neck, piercing eyes, and a wolf-like muzzle instead of a beak. The creature is believed to in Mexico, believed to uh, inhabit Mexico, to be the suspect for the unknown killings of sheep in local farms. It is believed to drink the blood and leave the carcass. Interesting animal. I've got a picture of it, but I wouldn't be able to show it in the video because it's uh, it'll be uh, copyrighted. The reason I can show the Akapi picture is because it's a photo I've taken. Um, but yeah, again, pop culture. I remember Chupacabra in Dexter's Laboratory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's one of those things, I think, that has recently not been debunked, but they've kind of found a scapegoat for Chupacabra itself. And it's some What's kind that? of Mexican hairless dog looking thing. Hmm. I think it's probably the one that I've been most skeptical of, Chupacabra. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Just because it's very easy to say, oh, you know, your, your sheep have gone missing, your sheep are dead. Uh, you know, it was a, a massive killer dog thing that just came into your field and killed him. Mm. It wasn't anything to do with me. Yeah. Very weird looking thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, what else have we got? You got anything else for us? Um, I've kind of said all mine. I've, the ones I mostly focused on are, like, the apes. I found them always quite interesting. 
Uh, and that whole thing in the Congo, like I do, I think it's one of those with cryptids, like the dust. I I kind of come on the fence that they're mostly real. I think most cryptids are real. Yeah, but I do feel like that. I personally don't want them to ever be told if they're real. I will happily go my life knowing that Bigfoot is real in my heart, but not be told he's real. <laughs> It's crazy. That sounds like you're starting a religion, then. Plus, not gonna lie. I know Bigfoot's real. The Sascult. The thing is, the thing is, right, so we've got these cryptids. Like, surely, the, oh, oh, is, there anything, is there anything new out there that has been described and not really explained? Like, because you only ever hear about these things, like Chupacabra, like Bigfoot, like the Abominable Snowman, like... There's well, I think to... you've got... Go on. With, like, apes, I think the reason that I think apes are the one I always find interesting is because of, they are basically humans. So, it's like, well, this isn't not answering your question, so I do apologise. That's right. I do feel like because of how really interesting it is that there's apes that... There are ancestors to humans that are going to be related to us out there that we don't know about. I think that's what's always interesting because, you know, these could be that missing link because we don't actually know what the missing link is. Mm. You know, that jump between a little monkey and us. So it's like really, we, I always think that's why we've got that little bit of a soft spot for these weird apes out there. Yeah. I mean, because I was with apes as well. I always remember... I was on an episode of Joe Rogan where they said that the, the next biggest event in human history will be the day chimpanzees start making fire and stuff like that. And it yeah. always makes, it always stuck with me when you think about these apes in the sense of imagine if Bigfoot is real and he then makes fire and makes a weapon. <laughs> you know, he's coming that, for us. It's a weird, it's a weird, I know, he's my bae. It's that weird thing to think about when you think of stuff like that. But like, if it is real, wouldn't that be terrifying? Like, if you know. Like these apes, because when um, to go back to Monkey Hill of Vietnam, they did talk about that these apes did use sticks. Because mm. that's quite a big thing. Because I was uh, obviously, if they start using weapons, it's that next step of evolution, really, isn't it? There was. I was talking about it earlier. That Thai Thailand incident. Um, uh, oh God! It's like. It's like a tour boat, and it goes out to this bay, and it's like neat. I'd say it's about waist deep water, but there's these orange monkey-looking creatures there, and they're not orangutans. They're completely out of shape for orangutans. I'm gonna find it. So, well, I will put a link in the description. Yeah, I'll, I will put a link of this in the description. They're described by the Daily Mirror as. Ewok like troll monkeys. <laughs> I tell you what, that's artistic. Um, <laughs> so it's. it's let me have a look at the actual news. Ewok article. troll monkeys. A group of tourists were shocked when they were confronted with a family of Ewok like troll monkeys playing music on the edge of a Thai island. Some of the creatures walked around in the shallow waters while others perched on the uh, edge of the rocks. They looked like small, orangey-brown fictional creatures from Star Wars as they moved around. 
They were spotted by the holiday makers sheltering under the rocks in Riley Crabby, Riley Crabby, Thailand, as they passed by in a longboat and kayaks. I'm gonna yeah, well, uh, put the link in the description because that sounds like one we we'll have to watch later and have a look at. Yeah, sound. I will. Um... Um, linking back to Sasquatches and Bigfoots, it's just popped to my head. What about Yetis, the Abominable Snowman? Because obviously, the description of the Abominable Snowman is uh, very similar to Bigfoot, but obviously it's more in snowy climates. I just uh, got a page up to read about it. But uh, it's been spotted in places like uh, Mishi, which is in Tibet. Well, these are names, sorry, other terms used by Himalayan people to um, name it. Not its location, sorry. Bear with me, I'll find its location. I imagine it's Himalaya because it's Vieti's part of the Himalayan folklore. Yeah. Um, but what do you guys think about that? Because obviously with the description, as I said, very similar to the Sasquatch. It's just pretty much a Sasquatch with white fur in a different part of the world. Or possibly a subspecies. So, you've opened a can of worms here, that I was going to say for another episode, but have you ever, so it's one is basically, I think it was, fuck, I can't remember when this was, basically it's the Soviets were doing a winter test in some parts like the Ural Mountains, and they did come across basically a bunch of villagers, because down there there's loads of little like nomadic villagers who had reported seeing uh, one of these creatures, and obviously the Russian army went over to see what it was. And they apparently saw yetis, like a tribe of yetis, these giant creatures. And apparently the Soviets, being the Soviets, wanted to shoot them. <laughs> and it's that weird thing. Apparently what happened was they did actually fire upon them and killed one. But it's one of those through the... This is where it gets to the conspiracy part. The, the, part, the, the Soviets apparently were furious at what happened, wiped it all from history. And just kind of let it go and it's one of those where it's could be a conspiracy but there are villages around that area that claim that actually yeah with the snow monsters snow apes but i don't know if you've ever heard of the diatlov path incident no. anyone heard of that so that was a, basically a bunch of russian students disappeared one night in the snow and let me just find the time at the the date of it happening and the reason it's interesting is basically it happened in 1959 Dyatlov Pass, Russia and um, basically we won't go into too much detail because I'd actually like to do an episode on this because uh, it's one of my favourite conspiracies ever these students in the middle of the night escaped their tents cut it open, slashed it open ran, some of these, this is Russian winter by the way, some of these ran out in just their underwear as you think how cold it must be, and they've gone out in just their pants. They've bolted. Anyway, bodies were found after like seven days of some of these people, and some of them had their tongues and eyes missing, and forces that looked like they'd been killed by a blunt, blunt force that had actually killed them and moved them. And obviously it's that weird thing. But, but according to the Russian government, it was a landslide that killed him. But a lot of people in that area have always had that thing. If you never go to the Atlas Path, because that's where they live, these snow apes, it's one of the conspiracies that it was attacked by creatures. Because the Russian government, every time that has ever had a report into what happened, 
has basically turned round to every person who's done a, like a little investigation and has said, your investigation can either include, like, it's a avalanche, or is it either an avalanche or a freak snowstorm. And those are the two inv- things they can say. Otherwise, they're not allowed to do an investigation. But it's one of those to kind of bring it back to these Yeti things. People do think it might have been that. Because the fact that these people ran out, not like open their tent, cut it open. And you think this is the only protection they've got from the snow and they've destroyed it by getting escaped. And these people climbed up trees. Some of the bodies were found like getting up trees. Some of them found were just completely naked. But then you found other ones with their eyes and tongues ripped out. Could be Yetis and it could tie it back to Yetis. It's one of the theories about it is that it is Yetis. Uh, sorry, I don't know if that answers your question, but that was something you when you said, I was like, oh, I'll bring this up. Interesting. I don't, I, I, I don't know why, but I've got that Diatlov Pass at the back of my head for some reason. I, don't know, I must know mm-hmm. something about it, or I've heard something about it. I was going to say, I, well, definitely, I don't know if it was you who told me about it, Russ, actually. I definitely heard, I remember, I can recall that they were found dead with like injuries that were suspicious. Yeah, well, we'll, I'll happily love to do an episode on that because that's, I think, a great conspiracy. But uh, says we'll keep that in the pipe. But um, to bring it back to Adam's question, I do completely believe that there is yetis out there, and it makes sense, really. If there's ones everywhere else, think of how humans are everywhere. Why wouldn't these creatures? And they always kind of have. I don't know. This could be a not. What would be able to explain it? It could be a coincidence, but when you look at where these sightings are throughout the world, it's always either wooded, foresty areas or jungles, or high mountains, or sometimes both. So it's like Monkey Hill was a jungle in a mountain area. Himalayans are very mountainous area. It's always very isolationist, and I think this also goes back to what Adam said earlier. Like, If they kind of just maybe have learned to hide away from humans, and the best way to do it is in these areas, because really, do humans don't very often go to these areas. Like, obviously, you know, you've got Everest is a bit different, but I do feel like with most of these jungles and mountains, not many people go there. So if you want to hide from a species that will probably kill you, you go there. Mm. No, I, I, so if that's a long-winded answer to your question, Adam. No, 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 I'm happy. <laughs> that's, that's what I was hoping for. So for one of you guys to know a bit more about it and talk about it. So, no, I'm happy with that. So, I've pretty much exhausted all my stuff. Um, yeah, I say we could wrap it up there. I mean, well, there's one I want to talk about, which oh, yeah, uh, sorry, I've just sorry. read, which I've just read about, which I think is kind of interesting. And it's something which we've actually done uh, expeditions into as recent as 2009. All right. Um, yeah. called the Mongolian Death Worm. <laughs> wow. Yes, I know this. I know this. <laughs> oh, Joe, so, um, so um, I'm going to read it as it is from the wiki page, so apologies if it's a bit boring, but I'm going to try and paraphrase it so we can get through. But pretty much the Mongolian Death Worm is a creature alleged to exist in the Gobi Desert. Uh, the creature first came to Western attention as a result of Roy Chapman Andrews in his 1926 book on the trail of ancient man. And the American paleontologist was not convinced by tales of the monster that he heard at 
uh, gathering at Mongolian officials because um, none of those present when he spoke to them had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. Um, in 1983, a specimen of Tata was shown to locals who claimed to have seen Ogoi Kokoi, which is what they called Mongolian deathworm, and they confirmed that it was the animal they called the Mongolian deathworm. So they think it could be the Tata Sambo. Tata Sambo. But to go a bit more deeper into it, uh, with its habitat and behaviour, uh, it's described as travelling underground, creating waves of sand on the surface, which allows it to be detected. And the Mongolians say it can kill at a distance, either by spraying venom at its prey or by means of electrical discharge. And they say the worm, and they say the worm lives underground, hibernating most of the year, except for June and July when it becomes active. And it is also reported that it most often comes to the surface when it rains and the ground is wet. Uh, the Mongolians believe that touching any part of the worm will cause almost instant death and tremendous pain. It has been told that the worm frequently preyed on camels and laid eggs in its intestines and eventually acquired the trait of its red skin. Its venom supposedly corrodes metal and local folklore tells of a... not pronounce that word. <laughs> um, a predilection for the colour yellow. The worm is also said to have preference for local parasitic plants such as the Goyo. So um, some recent investigations which have been had. In 1990 and 1992, Ivan McCurley led small groups of companions into the Gobi Desert to search for the, room, uh, the worm. Um, it was inspired by Frank Herbert's novel June, in which giant fictional sandworms could be brought to the surface by rhythmic thumping. So they attempted that with a motor-driven thumper and they even used small explosions to try and find it, but they came up empty-handed. Um, 2005, zoological journalist Richard Freeman at the Centre for Fortean Zoology mounted an expedition to find the death worm, but came up empty-handed. His conclusion was the tales of a worm's powers had to be uh, apocryphal, whatever that means, so I do apologise, um, unless one of you know what that means. As um, A-P-O-C... R Y P H A L. It's. I think it means sort of like a, a sort of pertaining to a myth or a legend. So it's like the the powers are just a legend. Yeah. Adjective of a story or statement of doubtful authenticity, although widely circulated as being true. Oh, fair enough. Uh, Evening's reported sightings likely involved an unknown species of worm lizard, or uh, Amphisabania. Um, there's a reality TV series which was recorded in called Destination Truth, where in 2006-2007 they tried to find the Mongolian death worm. And also a New Zealand television entertainment reporter, David Furrier, uh, he also took part in an expedition in August 2009 to try and find the death worm, but came up empty-handed, but noticed that most of the tales of the death worm seemed to peak in the 1950s. Hmm. How big is it meant to be? It doesn't have measurements, but the artist's um, drawing of it, it looks like a massive giant red worm with fangs where its head is. Oh, oh my god. It's a, yeah. it's a craboid, <laughs> if you've ever seen the film Tremors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
That'll be interesting to read a bit more of. Yeah. Right, um, I've exhausted my stuff. Russ, yeah, Jack, you... you got anything? No, no, I was just happy to hear what you had, really. Especially the worm. To be fair, if you look at one Amphisbena is, it looks exactly like what the artist's uh, drawing is. Right. Um, except, obviously, the Deathworm is red, um, and this one which I'm looking at is like a weird yellow colour. It's a form of lizard, but it looks like a snake with like no eyes or snout or anything like that. Hmm. Okay. We'll have to link it in the description for people. We'll have to I will. Um, right, so we finished that. So let's just have a... We've got like... We're approaching 56 minutes for this one. Uh, so... We've got a bit of time. We can talk about what we've been up to. I'm, I'm, I was gonna say I was happy to wrap it up there and leave it as a short one. Yeah. Do you want to plug the next um, little vlog video, Adam? I mean, we've plugged it for past two podcasts we've done, so why the fuck not? But um, we've now got the footage from it, um, so I'm gonna start editing it um, over the next few days. So, what we originally said we was going to do is kind of changed only because um, me and Dan, the vlog we did together, turned out to be unexpectedly longer than we thought it would be. Um, it turned into what was meant to be a 15-minute chat to a 50-minute one. Um, so, our plan with that is it's going to be all split up into parts. So, you're going to get um, the first video, which is going to be more so us going out and shooting guns having a few casual conversations, some kind of edgy hipster shit of recording scenics as we travelled around and whatnot. Um, and then what was originally going to be the second video, which instead is going to be split up into multiple ones, is just me and Dan just going on a walk and just having a off-the-cuff conversation. Uh, the topic for that, really, is main the main topic, but there's diverge off into loads of other stuff, is about how your identity does not make your personality. Um, so if that is something you're interested in, that should be up over the next few weeks. Um, if you are a lo-fi artist, we are looking for lo-fi music to put in there. So if you were interested in just getting music out there a bit, get in contact with us and we'll uh, chuck in some of your music in the vlogs. Sweet. And we'll give you all the, all the credit and everything. We'll make sure you're... Uh... Sent, I'm sending traffic to you. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's all for tonight, guys. Make it a shorter. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, guys, please again go and like us on uh, follow us on Instagram uh, at Jardcast, uh, on Facebook at www.facebook.co.uk forward slash Jardcast. Um, anything else? Uh, Spotify, yes, go and follow us on Spotify. Just search Jardcast and you should be able to find us on there. And, uh, if yeah. you subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, Dan will send you feet pics. Yeah, yeah. Just I'll DM us feet and Dan pics, will send you that. you don't want to see my feet because they're rancid. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, go Obviously. like, subscribe, hit the bell icon. Uh, keep up to date. We upload every Friday. And uh, yeah, I'll see you again, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. See ya. Ciao.